As you may know, we recently had a series of studies in 1 Peter, and we're not going to, to regurgitate that or go over that again. But I'd like to read this uh, short passage um, and focus in particularly on what Peter says in one of the verses there. So 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And this now is the verse that I want us to dwell on for a moment this morning. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This is the word of God. We talk a lot about the gospel here at Kirkpatrick Memorial, and although it's a word that's open to considerable misunderstanding, um, it's a word that we would never dream of leaving behind. The gospel, or gospel means good news. And the reason we talk about the gospel here is because we believe that we've heard some great news. And we believe that it's news that's changing us and that it's news that has the potential and is being used by God to change the entire world. But there's a, a question I want to think with you for a moment about this morning, and that is, what's at the heart of the gospel? What's the ultimate good in this good news? I want to to remind myself and, and you as you listen that the heart of the gospel and the heart of the good news is one thing. It's God himself. All the gospel words that we speak, speak of him. And if they don't speak of him, then they're not gospel words. Think about it for a second. Think of some of our words that we use, some of the uh, the words we come across in the Bible or in, in our theology. We talk about salvation. Well, 
Folks, salvation isn't good news if it simply saves us from hell without saving us for God. What about forgiveness? Forgiveness isn't good news, I'd suggest, if it only releases us from some sense of guilt, but doesn't restore our our life with God. And then there's justification. That's a, a legal kind of a term. It means being put on a right footing with God. Well, what use is that to be justified if, if we aren't brought into a friendship with God? Christians talk about redemption, being bought back from a slavery that we experienced to sin. But what's that if we're not freed up for, for something else, for life with God? Adoption is another thing the Bible talks about in our relationship with God. We're adopted into God's family. How good would that be if he turned out to be a cold and a distant father? You see, all the things that we talk about in the gospel, all these promises are nothing, or they're certainly very empty or very hollow, if they don't give us God himself. If we aren't getting God, then we aren't getting it. I wanted to think with you about this on the first Sunday of 2014, maybe because it feels important to me just now. And maybe it could be important for some of you too. It's possible to to do a lot of things to be around a church, even to lead in a church, and to be missing closeness and intimacy with God. You see, we might want all these things that I've talked about. We might want to be forgiven. I mean, who wouldn't? Given the choice, who would walk around under a burden of guilt? Everybody I know would want to be forgiven. Everybody would want salvation if, if we believe that there's a, an eternal state, if there is heaven and there is hell. We, we want to be forgiven and we want to know that we have a place. But it's possible, as I, I've been thinking, to, to want all these things, but not God himself. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to drive a wedge between wanting the benefits that God gives us and God himself. Of course we want to be forgiven. Of course uh, we want to to be made right with God. We want to be justified, redeemed, adopted. We, We want all of these things. But ultimately the good news of the gospel is that these things bring us to God. He's at the very heart of it. And that's the good news of the gospel. It's that we get to know and enjoy God. Folks, this this is why Jesus came. And of course, that's what we've been thinking about in this Christmas season. We've, uh, in a few of our services, we've referenced that Jesus came and was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is why Jesus came. And we've discovered in the passage we've just read that it's why he died. So look again at verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. 
wants to take people who are far off and bring them near. That's why Jesus Christ came. If we're still far off, if we're not yet near, then what Jesus came to do hasn't yet been of benefit to us. Why, why is this the essence of the gospel, this nearness with God, this God at the center? Well, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of that question in the catechism. This congregation today, I think, will be split between two groups of people, some who know and love and could recite the whole catechism and others who don't know what it is. The catechism is a learning tool that has been used throughout a long period of the history of the church. And it's made up of a series of questions and answers. So you learn the question, and then you learn the answer. And by doing that, you, you learn a lot about who God is and how we relate to him. But the first question of the catechism is probably the most famous one of all. The question is this. What is man's chief end? You can tell straight away that that wasn't written in 2013 or 14. And, and of course, that means, what's our purpose? What are we here for? What were men and women made for? And the answer given in the catechism is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Even though that's old language, I think we can probably understand it. We were made to know and love and experience friendship with God. That's what we're for. We were made to, to know God well enough to see past our suspicions of him, to see his beauty and his glory and to bask in it. John Piper puts it very well when he says that God created us in such a way that his glory is displayed through our joy in it. The gospel of Christ is the good news that at the very cost of his son's life, God has done everything necessary to enthrall us with what will make us eternally and ever increasingly happy, namely himself. Enthralled with God. I'm going to suggest this morning that we might not all feel that way, and certainly not all of the time. But this is why Jesus came, to bring us to God. In late November, Claire was changing from one job to another, and she ended up with two unexpected days off. And she decided she, she'd go and blitz the Christmas shopping, head down into Belfast, buy all the stuff she wanted to buy for the kids. I, I don't know what came over me, but I offered to go along with her. I thought, yeah, let's go and do that together. The morning ended up being not a bit of a disaster, like a, a real write-off of a morning. Um, it only took about half an hour, and Claire started saying things like, 
I came here to shop for the three children and I feel like I'm dragging a fourth one along with me. I'm not a very comfortable shopper, so I began to feel quite unwell just by being in the shops. So at one point, I, I offered to go and sit in the car for a while, um, just while Claire was finishing the shopping. And in, in the end, I think we realized that we'd better just call it quits, and we ended up having a nice lunch together in Little Wing. I say that I don't know what came over me when I volunteered to go shopping with Claire in Belfast, but that's not quite true. I do know what came over me. I wanted to be with my wife. We've been busy. We've been running hard, her doing her thing, I doing my thing. And when I discovered she was off work, I thought, well, hey, why wouldn't I take a morning off and want to be a part of that? I made a mess of it, absolutely, and entirely. But even though I mucked it up, I think Claire recognized my motive. She knew that I wanted to be with her. Folks, that's what I wanted to share with you at the start of 2014, the incredible good news that in Jesus Christ, God came to be with us, and he came to bring us to God. It's all about us and God being together. And if we're not together with God then no matter how much we talk about the gospel, we're not getting it. And as I said a moment ago, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that we're not all getting this and that oftentimes I don't get this. What about 2014 being a year where we set off hoping once again to enjoy company with God? I'd love that for myself and for you. Folks, that can happen in all sorts of places and all sorts of ways. It can happen here in the worshiping community. When we open our hearts together, when we worship him, just to know that God is really with us and to receive from him. But it can happen in our smaller groups, in our discipleship groups. It can happen in other places where we gather. It can happen in our families, even on our own. We might even mess things up when we try. But let's recognize in us whatever tiny appetite there is to be with God. And let's, let's begin to fan it into flame again. I thought I'd close by offering a, a few just very tentative suggestions of how we might begin to demonstrate to ourselves and to God that we want to be with him. How we might do that as we set off in 2014. Let, let's keep meeting with his people. You're here today, so I'm not, I'm not this isn't something I want to, to lecture you about. I want to say, great. Let's keep meeting. Let's keep meeting like this. Let's keep meeting in our smaller groups. Let's keep meeting in, in other ministries and settings. 
where we, where we do what we were made to do, and that's to encourage each other in our life with God. Could I, could I push the boat out a bit here and say that maybe as Presbyterians, we're not great at speaking the gospel words to each other, of encouraging each other to find life with God. Maybe that's something we could try to do better in 2014. Many of us will know that we're, we're keen followers of Jesus, that we really are on a journey with him, but we don't raise it with each other. Maybe it's time we tried. Let's keep meeting together. Another way to demonstrate to God and ourselves our, our desire to be with him is to, to nurture the conversation with God. Nurture the conversation. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, keep listening to what God's saying. How do we listen to what God's saying? Well, we put ourselves in a place where we can hear his word. And that, that means this moment, but, but this is only part of it. Folks, I can go long spells of time where I'm not giving much attention to God's word, to the Bible, other than maybe preparing to speak to you. I'd love to enter into 2014 attentive to what God is saying in his word. So listening to him, but also ready to speak to him. Prayer is one of those things that a lot of us find difficult. My sense is that we over-elaborate. You can be praying today. If you haven't prayed for six months and you feel guilty about that and you think, I could hardly start again, why would God listen to me? That's a perfect place to start. Just say, Lord, I've been away and I'm coming back. If you've got heartache in your life and you feel you should be praying about some other high, high and holy things, forget it and pray about the thing that's in your heart. Start speaking to God again about what matters to you. Just start. Just get the conversation going again. Listen to God and his word and speak to him. Keep the conversation open. So that's two things. Let's meet with God's people. Let's enter into the conversation. And thirdly, uh, a sort of an overarching sort of a suggestion. Let's be ready to give God our full attention. It's possible, and I think this has maybe become more of an issue now than ever, it's possible to be in a relationship and not give attention, isn't it? What's that? You're on a tablet, you're on a phone, you're watching TV. We think we can multitask relationship? Folks, we can't do that with our friends or our spouses. And we, we can't do it with God either. It's possible in our marriages that the person who once lit up our world becomes something like a, a background noise to us. We don't, we're not close anymore. 
We've become too busy to give proper time. We've become distracted with too many other things. And it's very much like that, I think, in our walk with God. Jesus Christ came into the world to bring those who were far off near. He died, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Isn't it time we came home? Home to the place where we're most loved, where we're most truly known and most truly ourselves, the, the place where we're fully and finally alive. Isn't it time we came close to God? He's done the work. Don't, don't worry about that. Our, our passage says that he died for sins once for all to bring you to God. Our, our question is this. Are we, are we willing to accept the invitation? Are we ready to come? You ready to come home and be close to God?